0: Welcome to another edition of the second goal fantasy podcast i'm calvin your host here with you as always today's show i'll be recapping the top 20 fantasy running backs for 2021 and then maybe a few other guys as well who are potentially interesting outside of the top 20 we'll take a brief look there as well but mainly i'll be recapping the top Twenty running backs for fantasy football in 2021. No guests today. Unfortunately, we did have a guest scheduled, but due to scheduling conflicts, we unfortunately couldn't have him on. Hopefully we can do that in a future week, but it'll still be a lot of fun today. I'll be previewing or I mean recapping, excuse me, running backs for 2021. And I guess also previewing their fantasy outlook for 2022. So guys, as always, make sure if you enjoy the show to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod for the podcast. Go follow me on ColorCast. Download the ColorCast app. Follow me at CalvinSGF. Link in bio for that. In the Twitter bio, you can uh, download the app and listen to me do college basketball streams as March Madness is coming up. I also host a college basketball show called College Basketball Weekly on ColorCast, Mondays from 6 to 7. So be sure to check that out as well. And yeah, so it's been a lot of fun doing these podcasts starting into the offseason over the last few weeks. We're getting right into the fantasy offseason. Free agency is going to come up. We're approaching the two-year anniversary of this podcast, and I think next week we might be over two years of podcasting. And it's episode 125, so that's crazy. We've been going for so, so long. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So today, we're going to be, again, recapping the top 20 running backs for last season's Fantasy Football and Half PPR, excluding Week 18. No news to talk about today, but let's drop right into it. So... Here we go. Top 20 running backs on fantasy pros in half PPR. The number one running back by a margin of about 60 points, 21.4 points per game. He played all 16 games. It was Jonathan Taylor himself. Jonathan Taylor was absolutely electric, explosive, everything you wanted him to be. He ran for touchdowns, he got long runs. He never busted outside of like the first 2 weeks. And after the first 2 weeks of the season, I bought Jonathan Taylor low in fantasy and he went crazy the rest of the way. And yeah, it's crazy to think that at the beginning of the season he was struggling, but now he's clearly the number 1 overall pick heading into f- for fantasy football next year. The team has seen that with heavy utilization, he's going to be great and that's going to continue. There's no questions there. Number 2, though is more interesting we got austin eckler austin eckler also had a crazy season and he was really in a tier of himself at running back as well 18.8 fantasy points per game is 1.1 more than the next best guy or 2.1 more than the next best guy and he caught a lot of passes but mainly austin eckler's calling card was his 20 touchdowns and i don't think obviously that's going to continue i don't think jonathan taylor's either is going to have a historic season like he did last year but when you're talking about best bets to do so jonathan taylor and austin is probably the best bet to be return as the rb1 again next year and austin eckler is a great bet to be up there again as well but yeah austin eckler put up 20 touchdowns last season 12 on the ground eight through the air Caught a ton of passes as well. 94 targets, 70 receptions. That can continue with Justin Herbert, especially with guys like Mike Williams potentially leaving LA. Austin Eckler is going to gonna continue to be great. Same with the RB3 on this list, Joe Mixon. When Cincinnati's offense broke out, Mixon did as well in 16 games, 16.7 points per game. He quietly finishes RB3, overshadowed by guys like Taylor and Eckler, but Really, he was just as good as them. He stayed on the field for almost every single snap. Like, he had one of the highest, like, snap shares out of any running back in the game, which makes a lot of sense, of course. Uh, 42 catches on 48 targets, 13 rushing touchdowns, 3 receiving, and he was always out there. I mean, when you look at his game log, his carry count was always high. And his, yeah, he got a lot of catches out there as well. And when the Bengals were making their run and headed to the Super Bowl, he continued to be involved. He will be in the future. And the RB4, I think, he's got one of the brightest futures in fantasy football as well, no doubt about it. Najee Harris, he had 256.2 fantasy points per game, or or 256.2 total fantasy points, 16 per game. He played all 16 weeks. And Harris is a very interesting case because he got, That huge utilization as a rookie, which almost always translates to big success in fantasy football, but the one problem for him, his target share was enormous, which isn't a problem, but with Ben Roethlisberger being gone, Ben Roethlisberger throws to the running back a lot, and who knows if whoever the Steelers' next quarterback is going to be is going to do that nearly as much 94 targets for Najee Harris this year. 19 of them also came in one game against Cincinnati that they lost 24 to 10. That was an insane game for fantasy football where he didn't even like play particularly well, but he caught 14 passes and it was absolutely nuts for 102 yards and so he just went crazy in ppr so harris is still a ppr gem he's gonna get targets but be wary of that target number potentially coming down and that's why i don't necessarily see rb1 potential for Najee harris because he is a good runner inside and a tough runner but he doesn't break off like those home run runs so he's not necessarily a hugely efficient yards per carry guy and to be the rb1 you have to be kind of hugely efficient get a ton of touchdowns and catch a lot of passes and harris can do two of those but not the third, in my opinion, he's never going to be an efficiency leader in fantasy football like Jonathan Taylor was. And so that's why I feel like Najee Harris won't have that RB one upside, but he should be a safe RB one for next year. And his floor is undoubtedly very high. And like to illustrate my point, Jonathan Taylor, the RB one 5.5 yards per carry Najee Harris had 3.9. That is a massive gap. And that's why Najee Harris's ceiling is a little bit capped in my eyes, but he's still great. He's going to be fantastic. Draft him high next year. RB5 he missed two games but still finishes the RB5 also 15.8 fantasy points per game it was Leonard Fournette who took over the backfield over Ronald Jones and was dominating with the Bucks. and I think if I think there's a solid chance that Leonard Fournette re-signs with the Bucks. I think we talked about this on the show a couple of weeks ago maybe with Pat Fitzmorris but Fournette played very very well this year then but his production is probably going to come down because as we know Tom Brady retired and Tom Brady retiring and the loss of Antonio Brown as well and potentially Chris Godwin Could mean that Leonard Fournette struggles a little bit. If the Bucs trade for a superstar quarterback, Fournette could continue to put up big production. But he's not going to be, at least right now, projected in my top 12 running backs for next year, just because there's so much risk surrounding a situation. Number six is a guy that really doesn't excite me at all very much. It's Ezekiel Elliott. And Ezekiel Elliott still finishes the RB6. 13.7 fantasy points per game, but he's not exciting it's just hard. It's hard to trust him. And I mean, we know he was playing through injury this year. He was getting stuff from Tony Pollard. And it turns out we've actually had recently broken news that Zeke played with a torn PCL since week four. But he should be completely healthy for the start of next season. That makes sense because Zeke did look just a little bit slower out there on the field. He So he should be fine for next year as maybe a back end RB1. But he's not going to be, I don't think, a top five guy anymore. Because this team has figured out that they'll use Tony Pollard heavily. And uh, it just leads to limited upside for Zeke Zeke really didn't feel like the RB six because he didn't give you very, many breakout games. Um, The RB seven. This is a guy that I will be all in on fading next year as well. It's James Connor. He missed two games, but 15.4 fantasy points per game, but I'm going to fade him at his current position. I'm actually going to check on what that is. Um, But it's, it's interesting to see his situation because he's a guy who ran for a lot of touchdowns as well. He had 15 touchdowns on the ground, caught three of them through the air, but the thing about James Connor is that he was without Chase Edmonds for most of the year. And when you look at his early season production, like the first half of the year, then compare that to his second half or whenever Chase Edmonds went out, which I think was like week seven or eight, he was scoring so many touchdowns and getting so much, so much more utilization in the passing game. But with Chase Edmonds back, it's not going to be the same. And I think with Kyler Murray coming back the Cardinal or for another year, of course, unless something weird happens with this whole social media thing um deandre hopkins being back in the cardinals probably wanting more receivers i don't know if james Conner is going to be as much of a red zone option as he was with 18 touchdowns like that's kind of insane and also his pass catching work should go down so he's a bit of a fade for me next year currently ranked actually pretty fairly though as the rb24 on fantasy pros and that's the spot i'd be fine taking him but i'm just saying as a fade like definitely fading him from his last season finish for sure but currently the RB 24, and that's an interesting spot. I might even put him ahead of a guy like Travis Etienne, but like he's kind of in, that's going to be an interesting spot for RBs because there are guys around him, AJ Dillon, Travis Etienne, Leonard Fournette. That's a tough spot. We're going to figure that out and I'll probably start making some rankings soon as well. And also one thing I'm noticing that is causing my eyes to pop out of my head is that James Robinson is RB 31, Travis Etienne is RB 23. But guys, Urban Meyer is no longer around. So we don't care that Urban Meyer took Travis Etienne in the first round anymore. It's going to be about who's a better running back. And I think that's James Robinson. And because, I I mean, I think Travis Etienne is a good running back. I don't think he's going to be as good, honestly, as James Robinson. I think he'll be a better change of pace guy who hits home run plays. So at best, like they'll be even. And I feel like that might be, they'll probably be pretty even in fantasy points. So I don't think that justifies this eight spot gap that we see right here. Um, but let's move back to the top 20 running backs, RB eight Cordero Patterson. He's is so tough and you can't really rank Cordero Patterson accurately yet, because it all depends on whether Atlanta adds a running back because if they do Cordero Patterson is probably drops to about RB three, RB four range, depending on who it is, but if he gets resigned if he has it all to himself again that's a guy who got a lot of passing work and took over kind of as a workhorse on the ground near the end of the year but near the end of the year Patterson's efficiency dropped so i feel like they're going to add a guy on the ground and want to continue to use him in the passing game which may not be bad for him in PPR leagues but look let's look at his weeks week 15 against San Francisco 11 carries for 18 yards week 16 against Detroit 7 for 14 week 17 against Buffalo 9 for 28 Week 18 versus New Orleans, four for 11. He wasn't really being used as a receiver, which kind of surprised me, like late in the season. That's something where he, I think he should have been used more, but that might, they might get back to that next year. But Patterson, again, obviously not finishing his RB8. I'm interested to see where he currently is ranked. And he's all the way down to RB36, which is interesting. But that makes, uh, that makes sense. Like the guys around him, Ramondre Stevenson, Chris Carson. Like, I can understand that being there. Chase Edmonds, I would put Patterson ahead of Chase Edmonds still. Maybe also ahead of a guy like Sony Michelle or maybe even Tony Pollard. But that's around the spot where I feel like he should be right now in that sort of back RB3 kind of range. The RB9 uh, from last year is a guy who I think could maybe sneak as a bit of a value because I think Aaron Jones will still be good With or without Aaron Rodgers, and I do think Aaron Rodgers is going to stay with the Packers though. So maybe he actually won't sneak as a value like in that regard, but I think they're going to get back to sort of using Aaron Jones, the Packers in a way that sort of dominates AJ Dillon's role a bit more. I mean, not saying that AJ Dillon is not going to be involved, but I feel like this team will want to get the ball in his hands more because Aaron Jones wasn't used as much as he should have been last year is in my opinion. And part of that is because he got another talented running back and AJ Dillon, but he wasn't getting the utilization rates that he needs five care in week 12, five carries week 14, five, or or week 12, 10 carries week 14, five, 13, 12, and then 18 in weeks 14 through 17. So it was just not enough for him. And AJ Dillon was kind of splitting, but he was still getting work in the passing game. But I think Aaron Jones, especially in games where they're up, I I think he'll be very useful when they're running the ball a lot. And maybe, honestly, they'll start using him a lot like early in the season because a lot of the times they've saved up Aaron Jones, the Packers, for the stretch runs near the playoffs to where like he's not being used as much early in the season. That wasn't the case as much last year, but I think maybe this year they'll maybe try to balance his workload a little bit throughout the year. They're not really worried maybe about resting him up as much because they got A.J. Dillon as a great change of pace guy. So I think he'll be more consistent throughout the year. But it's, what is interesting is his running back price right now, because we shouldn't forget that Aaron Jones is a guy who has had multiple top five finishes at the position and is probably going to stay with Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, but he's still at RB 17, sitting behind guys like Zeke and Elijah Mitchell. Like that's JK Dobbins. Like that's not, that's not right for me. Like Aaron Jones should be in the top 15 running backs. I think he's going to be a bit of a value and he can like, if I'm getting Aaron Jones at mid tier RB two spots next year, like that is juicy. I really, really like that. And I'm excited, like, because he's done it and he's consistently been undervalued year after year. He has an RB2 finish in the past. I think he, he had like back-to-back top five finishes last year. Again, once again, he was in the top 10 for the third straight season. Aaron Jones, RB9. So why, sh- why is he down at the RB17? I mean, I know A.J. Dillon is great, but A.J. Dillon isn't taking over. If anything, Aaron Jones is going to bounce back from his slow end to the season. Number 10 RB is Nick Chubb. He missed three games, averaged 15.3 points per game. So maybe this like RB10 ranking isn't totally doing Nick Chubb justice because he was fantastic once again. He was missing, I think Kareem Hunt was definitely, um, he was injured for a lot of the year. I want to make sure I know the amount of games. Yeah, Kareem Hunt missed like eight games. So that helped Nick Chubb a lot. Nick Chubb's upside is always going to be a little capped with Kareem Hunt out there, but Nick Chubb has never been a huge pass catcher anyway. So mainly he'll just get one of the highest ground works in the league, as well as some red zone work. Nick Chubb is currently priced at the fantasy RB eight, which makes sense. That's probably like fine in my eyes. Like sure. That's probably around where he should be safe. Kind of RB one guy that you're happy to have in your fantasy team. Same with the RB 11, who's Alvin Kamara, because I feel like Alvin Kamara with the quarterback situation over in new Orleans does not have the same upside that he used to. He missed four games, he was great when he was out there for sure, but it's gonna be a struggle. And I don't know if this team's gonna get Jameis Winston back coming off of that ACL or injury. So Kamar at the RB9 is safe for me. Like, there's a case maybe putting him ahead of Chubb or even Najee Harris. But honestly, like, I don't think Kamar is gonna be like a top three pick off the board next year. There's just too much up there for me to consider, like. Jonathan Taylor, obviously, is going ahead of him. Then you have guys like Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey. That next tier is so hard for me to rank because I feel like out of those five, you could make a case for any of them to go up to RB2. Because if you're saying, honestly, like, I I think Austin Eckler might honestly have one of the best cases. And surprisingly, he's not ranked at RB2 very often. But I think maybe he has a case to be up there. Dalvin Cook with his consistency, Derrick Henry with his dominance and usually uh, injury avoidant history. Joe Mixon with the fact that he like just put up a nice RB3 season. If you're expecting Austin Eckler's touchdowns to go down, maybe Joe Mixon just quietly ascends to the RB2. And then Christian McCaffrey, who we know has RB1 upside, who also is incredibly fascinating. And we're going to talk about Christian McCaffrey because after the top 20 guys Uh, get out we're going to talk about a few interesting names and that briefly and we'll touch on Christian McCaffrey because what's an RB recap without talking about Christian McCaffrey you have to hear I mean you have to we have to touch on it if if we didn't if I didn't I'd be a bad podcaster for not talking about that and we got to get a chance to talk about that while it's still fresh in our minds and talk about what we think about his future yeah Alvin Kamara probably I mean RB11 last year solid RB1 next year but this RB12 case He's a weird one, Antonio Gibson. And Antonio Gibson, he finished as an RB1, but it didn't necessarily feel like it because he didn't have the breakout season that a ton of people were hoping for. But I think we may forget because we do have that a lot of times early season bias. A lot of teams that had Antonio Gibson maybe didn't do too fair too well. But let's take a look at his late season workload, because after their bye week in week nine, Antonio Gibson was a changed man. He got some time to heal up from his injury and he got 24 carries right off the bye. Then 19, 29, 23, 10, 15, 6 and missed a game and then 21 to end the year. He was also getting a lot of catches. He had three games with five catches or more in that stretch. Um, And he was getting targeted as well and catching most of them. So that is good to see. But I think what's unfortunate for him is that his targets are always a little bit inconsistent without JD McKissick or with JD McKissick there. And his value is really, really dependent on whether the football team actually wins the game. Because if they do, he's going to run the ball a ton. And if they don't, or I guess it's the commanders, I keep forgetting. (laughs) If they don't, uh, they tend to phase him kind of out of the running game. And it's what's frustrating is that in a lot of two-minute offenses, you get a lot of JD McKissick sometimes. So. It's not always Antonio Gibson out there, but I don't know. I feel like I got a little burnt by Antonio Gibson. I was hyping him up and it's weird to say burnt because he finished his RB1 or RB12 as an RB1, but like he did finish ahead of like the guy, some of the guys he finished ahead of like Damian Harris, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, like they missed, or I guess not Damian Harris because Damian Harris only missed two games. Really like Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook missed a bunch of games. Like they, when they were out there, they were clearly better than Gibson Other guys as well, like Elijah Mitchell, who missed five. So it did, uh, DeAndre Swift, who missed four. They all like felt better than Antonio Gibson. And I believe they also had more points. Like they also easily eclipsed Antonio Gibson in points per game as well. And it just, it was tough because he often didn't have like the weak winning upside that you really, really look for. Like looking at his game log, I, and I think. This is like Antonio Gibson. He still was very, very consistent over week to week, but he really didn't have like a massive week winning performance for you. Like ever. He kind of had some very, very good games, but no crazy blowups. And a lot of the times it was just like really dependent on whether the commanders were ahead or not, because if they weren't, he was kind of phased out and would give you a bust week. So it's just a bit frustrating. I might be a little bit lower on him actually, which is weird because I was high on him last year. Because he's at the RB11. And I do feel like a guy like DeAndre Swift is a guy I might like more at this point, or even maybe David Montgomery, like just depending on like how things shake up. But Antonio Gibson still's got some upside. Don't get me wrong there. But a guy like Javante Williams as well, that's a guy I'm taking over him. I'll probably take DeAndre Swift as well. And I'm gonna be back on the DeAndre Swift train next year for sure. But just in general, I don't know if after this year we can say that Antonio Gibson realistically has top five upside, unless the commanders trade for Russell Wilson or like just Sean Watson, in which case, oh boy, oh boy, I'll be back in on Antonio Gibson. That'd be awesome. But yeah, RB13 on the year, Damian Harris. Guys, this was a quiet RB13 finish for the man Damian Harris But yeah, I mean, he was like very, very good. It's just the problem with him is we saw a lot of Ramondre Stevenson utilization in the second half of the year. But shockingly enough, I mean, Damian Harris just had so many touchdowns, which was insane. Like in his final five games that he played, he put up like eight touchdowns and had 15 total rushing touchdowns on the year. I don't think that's going to continue, unfortunately, for him, no matter how good this offense is going to be. But just because Ramondre Stevenson, he's an up-and-coming rookie and he was getting more and more work. By the end of the year, honestly, I still felt like he might be the better back than D- Damian Harris. It's certainly close between them. And that's something that Pat Fitzmorris mentioned on a past episode as well. But yeah, Damian Harris not going to finish up there again, but maybe he could be a bit of a value in drafts. Currently ranked as the RB19, so that's not like ridiculously high. Uh, It's just going to be hard to trust Bill Belichick to use one running back consistently. And I do think maybe when it came down to it that a guy like Josh Jacobs might go over him for me or even a guy like James Robinson who's ranked further down, but just who I really like a lot. So it's going to be interesting to see for next year. The RB14 and the RB1 in points per game is Derrick Henry. How on earth did Derrick Henry finish as the RB14 and play in eight games? That is absolutely nuts. And also like he went out of the indie game early or no he didn't No, he finished the game but he was just bad he had an injury but derrick henry's like utilization during that stretch was just nuts and he like proved everybody wrong in the fact that like he did catch a few passes here and there not really too much because he's not that type of guy but he proved everyone wrong he's like who cares in a half ppr league i could still put up more than enough fantasy points without catching a ton of passes he here's derrick henry's game long he had 20 opportunities 41 opportunities, 31, 35, 29, 22, 31, and 28 in a game that he was hurt. And then he missed the rest of the year. But, man oh man that's insanity and then when you like that's that's why when he's coming back people genuinely feel like he has league winning upside and it is so so funny to me because i was stunned derrick henry was consistently like the rb four or five in projections heading into the year and i was like derrick i'm scooping up there every time that's a value because this guy never gets injured now after he's gotten injured everyone's saying oh he's this durable guy let's put him at the rb 2 and also i guess because of his upside and i'm not arguing there but it's just very funny to see how the narrative has changed. But, yeah, Derrick Henry's is going to be up there in that conversation. Same with a dude like Dalvin Cook, who was just, you know, ho-hum, RB15. I think next year um, they're going to try to get back to Dalvin Cook a little bit more, uh, just really run him into the ground. I mean, they de- definitely had some late-season games where they gave handed the ball to him a ton, but and especially in that one game where he came off a torn labrum and got 205 yards. But And maybe it's not necessarily about them getting back to him as much as just continuing to use him. But, yeah, he was pretty great. Uh, as usual, he's going to be up there. And just because of his consistency year after year, that's why he's ranked so high in many rankings. But he might sit at the RB4 for me, behind like Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler. We're going to see. Uh, RB16, Josh Jacobs, just consistent as always, missed two games. Josh Jacobs, also a guy who does really well in favorable game scripts when the team is winning versus when they're losing. Um, he actually did catch a lot of passes this year, and Kenyon and Drake wasn't involved a ton, which was kind of surprising because they kind of paid Kenyon Drake a lot um did the, the raiders did and i mean he did get he actually did get used at some points throughout the year but just not as much especially in the passing game so overall yeah josh jacobs was pretty solid he's just gonna be solid like that again next year for next year's rb rankings currently projected as the rb20 yeah probably around there like a solid back end kind of rb2 maybe type for next year the rb17 It was Javante Williams and I am all in on the Javante Williams hype train for next year. I don't think Melvin Gordon's going to want to stick around and hear another year of the he should be benched for Javante Williams talk. Because first of all, he shouldn't because he's a good player. He deserves to go somewhere else and give Javante Williams the full work because Javante Williams was going nuts in the second half of this year. He's such a good tackle breaker because, but so that to the point where even though he doesn't have like crazy home run speed, he still has that ability to put up elite yards per carry numbers because he like his tackle breaking ability. Like you see Najee Harris and you're like, man, that guy can break tackles. Javante Williams averaged more than double the tackle breaking rate of him in their last years of college and Javante Williams also had 4.4 yards per carry this year compared to Najee Harris's 3.8 and he's got a ton of upside he can catch the ball good pass catcher but yeah he was used a lot in the second half of the year and he's really poised for a breakout to the point where he's like a top five running back in dynasty now and I don't oppose it at all he's going to be great for years to come and uh, in a rebuild, I have like a rebuilding team, or actually, I guess this team was we're gonna redraft in this dynasty league. So I actually don't have it anymore. But before we were gonna redraft, I had a very interesting team where I had uh Javante Williams, Jamar Chase, DeAndre Swift, and like no one else. But I also had like five first round picks. Uh wait, let's see. Yeah, I had we're one, two, three, four first round picks and then three second round picks. And so I was stacked for the future. That was a lot of fun, but we're going to redraft in that league. So maybe I'll get a better team than that junk fest. That was like just a rebuild, but uh, I had some upside for sure, especially with Jamar chase. We'll talk about next week in the wide receiver preview or recap the RB 18 on the year. It was Daryl Williams. That was interesting. Like, you forget that Daryl Williams was pretty good in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's absence. I think when Edwards-Hilaire returned, like, he's, he was returning, maybe not fully healthy for the rest of the season. He's going to come back next year and be the lead guy. And the Chiefs might even try to add someone, too. Like, maybe Cordero Patterson. They'll maybe look to add another running back because their running game hasn't been all that great. I think Daryl Williams will still get some usage, though. Just probably not enough to make him, like, an RB1 or an RB2. Or maybe, but especially with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire back, he might just have not much upside other than as a handcuff. But it's going to be interesting for him. But eventually, uh, we're going to find out whether Daryl Williams gets supplanted or if they sign another guy. But he's a guy to monitor as the offseason moves on. David Montgomery played pretty well. RB 19, pretty solid year. He missed three games, but he gets a lot of work when he's on the field. And I think with Justin Fields' development, as Justin Fields gets better, David Montgomery will as well as that offense will be electric over 20 carries, 20 or more carries in each of his last three games. He's going to be used heavily. So just a nice little RB2 kind of guy. Maybe not a ton of upside. He did regress a little bit from his last season, late of season and insane stretch where he like played only bad defenses and destroyed them. That was bound to happen, but he's going to be pretty good next year. Finally, the RB20, it's DeAndre Swift. He missed four games, but 13.8 fantasy points per game. Pretty darn solid. He caught the ball a ton. And I'm excited for this Lions team to develop And DeAndre Swift really did carve out a role for himself in the passing game. At the beginning of the year, it was a lot of Jamal Williams that we saw, but DeAndre Swift was still doing great by catching a ton of passes, PPR gem for sure. And by the end, I mean, he was getting a lot of carries. If you remember in that Pittsburgh 16-16 tie, he had 33 carries for 130 yards. That was kind of insane. He missed a lot of games. He was hurt. So maybe they'll bring down his utilization a little bit, but he's very efficient. And so he'll make up for that with maybe some breaks that he might get which he wasn't like getting insane utilization either. He was just very efficient as well, but he'll make up for that with catching into the passes and being very explosive. He's going to be great next year. Guy I'm all in on for sure. So that wraps up the top 20 running backs, taking a look at some other interesting names. AJ Dillon's gonna be a guy to monitor with Aaron Jones. I do think AJ Dillon, I would take Aaron Jones over AJ Dillon right now, like heading into next year, pretty clearly. James Robinson, the RB23, another guy. I think I'm gonna, he's gonna be very undervalued for next year. I think he gets better than he was this year as well, because this was an absolute dumpster fire with Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence has to improve. Elijah Mitchell. I don't have confidence that he's going to retain, be the RB1 next year for San Francisco just because Kyle Shanahan moves away from guys so quickly. Like, I think Raheem Mostert, who might get re signed, and they're saying he might be re signed, he could cut into that workload a lot. When everyone's healthy, who knows what's going to happen over there? Uh, I think Tony Pollard might get a bit of a decrease in workload with Zeke fully healthy next year, but nothing too crazy. But yeah, let's, and then Saquon Barkley. Just a mystery at this point. He was not effective. And until you see more from Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley is nothing more than like an RB2 upside pick that you can dart throw, but he's still ranked high at the RB18 because we know he's so talented. So if you believe in Daniel Jones to take a step forward and Brian Dable to revitalize his offense, Saquon Barkley still got top eight upside. Let's talk about the RB37. Christian McCaffrey, who was still elite when he was on the field, we know he has RB1 upside, but he cannot stay healthy and that is why Christian McCaffrey will be no higher than probably my RB he probably will be my RB five or six next year because he can't stay healthy he hasn't been able to do it year after year he gets hurt and hurt and hurt and I know the injury prone trend is something you can generally fade because some sometimes players just jump out of that and do great but some players are also just some players are also just more more, I'm not saying McCaffrey's fragile But to the specific type of the running back position, clearly there's something that's taken a toll on a part of his body that is struggling to stay healthy. And I mean, it's up in all parts of his body. So maybe just in general, I mean, he's super talented, but again, yeah, he's just not maybe built correctly for that, the rigors of that running back position to stay healthy for too long, which is so unfortunate because the dude is so incredibly talented. And I want to say he'll get it like his get ready for next year, be sure like not to get hurt, but that's not really a thing you can just be sure of. It's just, it's very hard. It's a hard thing at this point. And Christian McCaffrey just getting hurt over and over and over again. It's just burned us so many times as a community to where we're finally like, he is not the RB1 anymore. And I do suspect that the injury prone is a lie. People will still be demoting Christian McCaffrey in their rankings. Because at this point, it's clear that there's no lie to be found So I just think that Christian, yeah, I feel like Christian McCaffrey at RB6 right now is a fair ranking because he's got so much upside. He'll probably maybe, he might even be my RB5 ahead of Joe Mixon because Mixon also has a bit of an injury history and Mixon doesn't have like crazy upside. So, oh man, it's just so hard. Oh, what a situation. What if the team who gets him at like the sixth overall pick just wins their league because he stays healthy? No one knows. It's so hard to predict. That's the worst part of fantasy football is just predicting when injuries are happening or not. But yeah, probably borderline top six guy for Christian McCaffrey. And that's where we're going to wrap up the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod. Check out College Basketball Weekly on ColorCast. This was a fun show. Sorry, guys, about no guest this week. But next week, we're going to have a great guest on for sure. Thank you guys so much for listening. Keep an eye out on our Twitter for updates. and We'll see you next time.